You're listening to Sideshow Network. Check out all of our shows at sideshownetwork.tv. Welcome to The Gamut with Steve Belanger, the show that covers everything under the sun and then some. Here's our host, Steve Belanger. Hey everybody, welcome to episode 75 of The Gamut featuring Steve Van Apren. Steve is a behavior specialist who is known worldwide as the human lie detector. He started out as a detective in Sydney, Australia and is now an expert in the field of behavioral interviewing, reading body language, and detecting deception. He is one interesting dude. We talked about why we lie, the differences in why men and women lie, and how to detect when you're being lied to. We also talked about what to look for in your opponents when you're playing poker, why he makes the perfect wingman, and a whole lot more. He didn't say it, but I'm pretty sure he knew right from the get-go that I was full of shit in almost everything I say and do. Man, he's good. Maybe you'll pick up a thing or two from the human lie detector. And here we go. All right, we are here now with Stephen Van Apperen. He's aided in homicide investigations in Australia, worked with the FBI here in the U.S., and he's known as the human lie detector. Stephen, welcome to the show. Thanks for having me. Now, how does one become a human lie detector? I don't remember that on my SAT. Uh, You know, I don't remember that in the placement possibilities. Well, typically, uh, I always had an interest in what made people tick. You know, why some of the detectives I used to work with were very good at detecting deception and others were terrible. So I made it a life goal to uh, become proficient at working out when people are lying to me and how they do it, when they do it and why they do it. So when you say you were working you were working with detectives at the time, in what capacity? Yeah, I, I spent 14 years in the police back home in Australia. And, as a detective? As a detective. Oh, okay. Yeah. Uh, and in 96, I come over to the States... And I was always interested in uh, profiling, what made serial killers and serial sex offenders tick. So the more I got to know about profiling, the more interested I became in cognitive and behavioural interviewing. And uh, then I wrote a book on how to detect deception. Then I lost all my friends. (laughs) I was wondering if you had this gift as a child. Was it... I, I, I've always been quite observant. I'm very good okay. at observing and uh, noticing things out of place. And that those skills were probably honed in even more. So now what I do is I listen to what people say and I analyse the content and structure of what they say. Because often when somebody is trying to deceive you, they want you to believe them. And uh, there'll be changes in tenses, uh, paralinguistic changes and so on. He's already... Folks, you can't see this at home. He's already writing in his notebook that the host is full of shit. So that kind of makes... The- <laughs> I'm already embarrassed. I don't know what to do. I don't know body language. I don't know how to react around you. So I'm just going to hug myself and and hide in the corner. Now, let's talk about the basics of lying. I mean, we all know how to lie. But what makes someone kind of lie? Well, it depends on the situation. Uh, If it's a high-stakes lie uh, where I'm interviewing you for a homicide or something like that, well, you're trying to avoid detection and uh, ramifications for your behaviour. But if it's in a normal context, I mean, let's be honest, we all lie. We lie about 
in just That's in, not true, honey. I never lie. <laughs> just in case my wife is listening to this. Okay, we all, we all lie. Well, it little things like, um, you know, we lie. It's interesting because uh, men and women lie for very different reasons. Women will often lie to make somebody else feel better about themselves, whereas men will often, often lie to make themselves look better. That totally makes sense. Yeah, it does. And often you know, we lie to impress people. We lie to get ahead in life. We lie to save face. Uh, we all tell white lies. Um, but it depends on the stakes that uh, we're involved in. Sometimes we try to cover our tracks because often we don't want to get caught, in, uh, caught out in that lie. It's, it's much harder to lie. I mean, it's easy to tell the truth. When you, I, I think somewhere in your notes you said when you lie, it then creates a world where you have to add three or four more lies just to cover the first one. Absolutely. When you think about it, uh, you know, for every one lie you tell, you have to invent two or three to protect yourself from the first one. Secondly, you have to fabricate or embellish a false memory. And research shows us through MRI scanning, when we try to uh, deceive, uh, it takes a lot of mental processing. And when that occurs, our speech slows down, uh, there's more uh, pauses, uh, what we call response latency, more ums and ahs or unnecessary or superfluous fillers. And uh, often you'll find that uh, people trip themselves up. They'll contradict what they've previously said. Whereas if I asked you what you did this morning, through sensory input, you can rely on memory because you experienced it. So you can tell me who you spoke to, what you had for breakfast, uh, how you felt because you experience those emotions when you're fabricating you don't have access to those memories and you have to make them up because you have to think of every detail yeah if, if i have was having an affair instead of going to a hockey game i can remember everything i did at the hockey game but if i said i went to the hockey game and i didn't then i have to start thinking okay where was i what happened there's so many things that have to go on in the brain that is our computer yeah absolutely that, so that's a lot more work for the folks who are lying absolutely and, and yet they still do it well, I think it's it's part of uh, our culture. It's part of the fact that, uh, you know, in fact, I read a, a report the other day and psychologists say that if a child, uh, you know, in their informative years up to, you know, 13 or 14 can't deceive, then that will affect their ability later on in life because uh, they uh, will have troubles in, um, you know, trying to get people to believe them. So it's if they part can of deceive or if they can't deceive when they, they, need, to. they need They to. need to be able to. Absolutely. Ah. Because what happens is... Um, they have to understand the difference between uh, the truth and a lie. So if you've got a child who's, say, two, who your daughter thinks she's a fairy, well, technically that's not a lie because for a lie to be a lie, you, I have to deliberately mislead you with that intention. Okay. So as we get older, if we don't understand the concept of lying, well, then we will be manipulated. So it's uh, part of our normal cognitive process. Okay. Because, I mean, basically we all lie every day. We do. And that's just our society. If that went away... We'd all know what we thought of each other. <laughs> Absolutely. I mean, you, you think just uh, when it comes to employment, uh, we mm -hmm. lie about the re reasons for leaving, remuneration, positions held, the responsibilities, background, educational qualifications. Uh, because if I'm applying for a job with 20 other candidates, I want to put myself above those other candidates. So it's in my best interest to convince you that I'm better qualified. So if it needs that I have to embellish my background, so be it. Now, we also talked about uh, it can affect your health. Absolutely. Now, how, how is that? Because you, are you talking about the, the everyday kind of lying we do or the really deceptive stuff? The, the more deceptive. Uh, you know, research shows we know that when we're feeling good and happy, we would uh, produce 
feel good uh, uh, chemicals. Uh, we feel uh, good about ourselves and, uh, you know, uh, endorphins and so on. Mm-hmm. Well, the same is opposite. Uh, the same is uh, uh, when we tell a, a lie or deception, we release cortisol and norepinephrine. So what happens is that increases our blood pressure and heart rate. So if you're living a constant lie and you're uh, concerned about that lie, well, our heart rate increases and so on. And that's not good if you have high blood pressure. So it gets to a stage where if you're constantly feeling down, it, it, human beings are funny creatures. We program ourselves. If we think we're going to be successful in life, we will be. If we think we're going to be a failure in life, we will be. So it's how we condition ourselves, but also how we view things. People who are happy, have a great positive outlook in life, uh, usually have a good level of fitness and health. Whereas those people who are constantly depressed and negative or feeling the need to impress by telling you know, lies. And, and I see this quite often, you know, often say, some men will lie to women to impress them or feel the need that they need to do that. Uh, that's what we would call a low stakes lie. But if you're constantly lying or you're in a position that you've been employed for and you don't have uh, medical qualifications, there's always a concern you're going to get caught. Uh, and they're the much high, much more high stakes lies. So you know, there's a great deal of research that shows that uh, you know, serious lying can be uh, hazardous to your health. Now, are there folks who are born just predisposed? Is there a certain brain area that makes them more capable to lie, more likely to lie? Yeah, look, there's a lot of research as to, uh, you know, whether or not people are good or bad liars. And and typically research shows that we are not all that good at lying. uh, But more importantly, people are not very good at spotting lies. Research shows it's between 49 and 51% of the time. So it's about chance. And the reason that's the case is because we want to believe that people are telling the truth. So um, it's not a matter of whether or not you're born uh, a better liar or not. But I'm often asked, who do you think make the best lies? as politicians or uh, people like that. Uh, In my experience, um, uh, pedophiles are very good liars because they're very good at manipulating uh, not just their victims but also their treatment providers. I, I mean, I almost feel like with some politicians, it may not be a lie because they believe it. That's almost a different type of animal to me. Yeah, see, there's different types of lying. There's Mm -hmm. lying by omission and lying by commission. Uh, If I uh, said to you that, uh, you know, I have a jet... Um, that's uh, a very direct uh, issue. But if I'm lying by omission, what I don't tell you is often more important than what uh, I do tell you. And with a lot of politicians, there's a lot of file tapes of what they said previously. Mm -hmm. So they have to even be more cognizant of the fact that if they say something that's contradictory to what's been previously recorded, uh, then they get into trouble. So often people will only tell you what they want you to know. Thus, the spin points and all the stuff that they talk, no matter what the question, they've got the preloaded answer ready to go. Absolutely. Now, why don't you play poker and why are you wasting time talking to me and not (laughs) sitting in a casino in Vegas right now? Well, funny you should mention that. (laughs) For all your listeners who love poker, Mm -hmm. uh, I was asked to participate in a particular television program back home in Australia. And I don't play poker, but one of the things that I found really, really interesting is if you're playing poker and you've got a great hand, typically what people will do is move closer to the hand. And often they'll even put their hands closer to the cards, which is indicative of ownership and possession. If they've got terrible cards, usually they'll create distance, push themselves away, and there may be defensive gestures. Another good indicator of a great poker hand, if your opponent has one, is if they're close to the um, the cards, but they're they're looking at their chips because mentally they're calculating how much of a wager to put on those chips. If you're betting against that uh, uh, behavior, then don't because they've got pretty good uh, 
hands. And that would explain why the guys wear the sunglasses. Absolutely. And they, they, they try, try to and cover up every single tell that they might have. Yeah. But often there, there, there will be some degree of seepage or leakage. And I've analyzed a lot of professional poker players. And even though they're, they're quite good, sometimes it's hard to hide when you're really excited about things. Uh, even though they do a good job, but there, there's still some telltale signs. You just need to look for them. I'm, I'm impressed that you use your skills for good instead of evil. So, I mean, <laughs> if I could tell what liars were, I would never see the light of day. I'd be locked in a casino 24-7 and just making a lot of money. But well, you're helping people find uh, murder investigations and stuff like that. You're, uh, well, if I ever got out of the crime sphere, I, uh, I would seriously contemplate, and even one of the world's best poker players said, you could make a fortune if you played poker. So maybe that's my next career move. <laughs> and any any bankers out there who want to stake him, uh, uh, you can just contact me. I'll take a fifty percent cut off the top. All right, now we're going to talk. There are a lot of fibs around the holiday season. Sure, um, those kind of fall in the white lies. You know, yeah, I love this sweater. Like, I I think those are. All, I hate getting gifts because I can always tell. I hate everything. <laughs> and when I open it up, it's so hard to feign. Oh, it's fantastic. It's got a reindeer on it. What, you yeah, know. well, absolutely. Let me give you an example. Men and women speak very differently. Yes. Uh, so when a woman says to you, oh, no, it's fine, she doesn't mean it's fine. See, I knew that one. All right. Mm-hmm. One for me. It's the way, it's the way that uh, the word is used. Okay. Uh, so typically, uh, let me give you an ex- example. How, men and women process information very differently, and often we lie to avoid hurting people's feelings. So if you get that gift and you really don't like it, usually uh, people will say things like, oh, no, no, that's, that's really nice. I like that. You know. Or they'll sidestep the issue, and they may say something like, you know, uh, you know this is something I've always wanted. But their facial expression or micro expression will indicate distress. Uh, now, often women are much better at picking up those cues and signals than what men are. So often, uh, I'll, I'll give you a great example. Mm-hmm. My ex, and when I finish this story, you'll understand why she's my ex. Uh, I went, she went shopping. Now, you watch men and women. Men, when we go shopping, we go in, we make the kill and we're out of there. We, we, we don't like torturing ourselves like women do. Typically, what will happen is women will go into a shop, and my ex did this. She goes into a shop. She goes through all these racks. She finds a couple of dresses she likes, puts them on, and then does the same thing over and over and over again in the same day. Now, that's like torture to me. Mm-hmm. Uh, so this particular day, she goes into this other shop. She goes through all these racks, tries on about four or five dresses, likes what she sees, purchases it, comes home, walks upstairs, puts it on, walks downstairs, and she says, Steve, what do you think? Now, I'm going to tell you, it looked terrible. <laughs> so, knowing what I do, I'm thinking, should I tell her the truth? And let's face it, you know, truth is important in mm-hmm. relationships. So, mm-hmm. I told her what I thought of it. And I told her, I said, it looks awful. It looks absolutely awful. In fact, it looks like an, a, a test pattern for a television network. And I, I see your problem right here, my friend, but yeah, go on. Okay. And, and, I, uh, and at that moment, I noticed a distinct change in her behavior mm-hmm. right at that moment. And here's the problem. When we say what we really think or feel, we get into trouble. So um, in life, if could you imagine just going into work every day and telling your boss what you really thought? Could you imagine how much trouble that would get you into? Oh, I've been there, yes. And it's same pretty much over the holiday season. If you really tell people after they've gone to the effort, and you know, some uh, my ex, uh, she I said to her, "What would you like for Christmas?" As a couple of years ago, and she said she'd like a, a non-stick fry pan or skillet. So I'm a boy, so I bought her a non-stick skillet. And then a very good friend of mine, she said, that's not very personal. And I said, but that's what she wanted. 
See, so as a guy, I process the information. That's something she really wants, mm-hmm. so I buy it. And I think, I've done my job here. But I can't understand why she thinks, oh, that's great, Steve. See, now here's your shortcomings. Is, uh, you, you're, <laughs> you're telling the truth. When she asked you how she looked in the dress, you say, not that it doesn't look great, you have to tell her something about the dress. It's a bad cut. It's The, the dress doesn't flatter your curves. You've got you've to, gotta, it's still the truth, but again, you're lying. Correct. You're correct. You've got to frame it right so that you're not insulting her. When you told her she, it looked like crap, you were telling her she looked. But that's how men process. When you oh, yeah. ask me, what do I think of the dress? I tell you what I think of the dress. But think about this. She's purchased that dress knowing that she likes it. Mm-hmm. So when I'm criticizing the dress, what am I criticizing? Indirectly. Her entire background. Her entire <laughs> lifestyle you've just condemned. <laughs> and now you know why she's my ex. Yeah. <laughs> See, and now you know why I've been married for 15 years. I you, know how to answer those you questions. You can walk the walk and talk the talk. But see, here, now here's the thing between men and women. I, I don't want to go out looking like an ass. I ask my wife, if I, does this look okay? She says yes. If she asks me, I'll say, most of the time, she, she looks great. But if she does, you know, maybe twice in her life, she's worn something I don't agree with. And I'll say, you know, I don't think that, I don't know if that's in style. Maybe it's just me. I don't know. But usually I, I will tell the truth, but it doesn't. She can come down every single day. Does this look okay? I'll say, yeah, it looks great. And she'll look at me. And go upstairs and change. It, <laughs> she doesn't really care what I have to think. <laughs> she, yeah. Obviously, she's come down with some doubts, and uh, she's been thinking I'm lying to her for 15 years. I, really, I just don't understand women's fashion, is what it is. Now, uh, New Year's resolutions. Uh, yeah. How do you talk? How do you define the lies we tell ourselves? Well, firstly, we lie to ourselves about a number of things. We lie about... I tell myself I'm successful. I'm well, there you go. <laughs> we lie about uh, you know, our weight, mm-hmm. our age, uh, our feelings, all sorts of stuff. So that's the first thing. Um, the other thing is often when we lie, we, we try to impress upon people that what we're saying is in fact truthful. And, of course, sometimes uh, that doesn't always show. So good uh, interviewers or, you know, even just in the... Not me. <laughs> ...will be able to see those uh, contradictions between what a, pe- a person is saying and how their body language reflects or disagrees with what they're saying as well. But, uh, you know, like, uh, we lie about, you know, uh, many, many things, in particular how we feel, uh, because we don't want to hurt people's feelings. Mm-hmm. Okay, now... When you watch, we talked about politics a little bit. Yep. When you watch TV, can you sense when people are lying right away? Yeah, look, I do. Um, uh, in fact, um, when I saw the Anthony Weiner case here in, wasn't in sure States. where you. When I saw the Anthony Weiner photo, uh, okay, go ahead. We uh, talked about this on the show before, but yeah. Well, I got to tell you, I, I fell off the couch laughing when I saw that. <laughs> his denial. Yeah. His initial denial. Uh, because it was so weak. Uh, and it, interestingly enough, at one stage he said, if my computer system was hacked. <laughs> now, I don't know about you, but I don't keep naked photos of myself on my uh, Facebook or on my computer. I actually, and I certainly don't I actually do keep naked photos of you on my computer, <laughs> but we won't go into that now. But typically what happened was when he said if, that indicates doubt, mm-hmm. because you would know whether or not your computer system has been hacked. Firstly, you would know if those photos are there, but I think the thing that really made me crack up was if you look at one of the pictures, there's photo family photos in the background, which is not a good <laughs> indicator if you're going to send pictures. Well, maybe it wasn't him. Right? It was just someone naked standing in 
Oh, that's right. Maybe maybe somebody went into his house, took their clothes (laughs) off, took a picture of themselves after accessing his computer system, then sent uh, those photos to everyone. Why are you looking at me? I had nothing to do with that. (laughs) Typically, if somebody's accused of something that they know they didn't do, their their denials, there's a big difference between a denial and an objection. So if I said, Steve, did you steal that $20,000? No, no, I didn't. That's a clear-cut, direct, succinct denial using a personal pronoun to clear yourself of involvement. Whereas if I say, Steve, did you steal that 20000 And you say, did I steal that? Why, why would I steal that? I'm not the sort of person that would steal 20000 I earn really good money here. I don't need... What's missing is a denial. Mm. So red flags go up automatically right from the start. All right. So now, in my other life, I'm an actor. Yep. One of the key things of that has always been it's about finding the truth. So if you're trying to be, you know in a role or whatever. You have Character. to find the truth of that role. Mm-hmm. If it's, you know, a love scene, if it's an anger scene, you have to find something inside of you. Yep. Can you so does that drive you crazy when you watch movies? Can you see when we're not doing it well? Well, typically, uh, it's interesting because I've um, uh, ran some training courses and there were a couple actors on there. And what I got them to do was, because they're actors by profession, so Mm -hmm. they're good at adopting a role and uh, actually assuming a particular character. So I got them to um, uh, tell lies and tell the truth because you would think that they would be quite proficient at uh, portraying something that's not the case or not factual and interestingly enough they all had troubles even though they were trying to pretend to be a character uh what gave them away was their content and structure of language and how they distanced themselves when they were relaying a false story so uh but when i watch uh, movies uh, yeah look typically uh i uh, i know it's a role and i know it's a script and i know they're acting from that script so it's a little bit different but it's interesting because sometimes actors can't fabricate facial expressions indicative of uh, happiness, sadness, sorrow, contempt, anger, and so on. Uh, and often, like discussed, uh, you know, there's a number of muscle groups. We have 43 facial muscles. Mm-hmm. And a, dis- a look of disgust will be uh, crinkling across the bridge of the nose, lifting of the uh, upper lip, which is indicative of distress. So I, when I was doing a training course, I tried to get some actors to replicate certain emotions, and they couldn't do it until we showed them graphic pictures and so on. Then they could replicate it because they actually experienced the emotion, hence the facial expression thereafter. Hmm, looks like I have a little research to do. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so that, let's uh, let's wrap up and let's give our viewers out there what all right they're going for job interviews they're thinking about marrying a certain someone any any instance where they might be lied to what are the telltale signs that they can be looking for we've touched on a couple of them but what are the biggies sure firstly uh whether or not they're answering the question are they answering the question are they sidestepping the issue uh are they evasive omissive or dismissive number one number two is uh uh conflict or contradiction between what they're saying and what their body language is telling us. So if I uh, was asking uh, somebody a question such as, uh, you know, um, have you cheated on me, maybe? Uh, No, no, I have not. (laughs) (laughs) That's a very clear-cut direct or not. Thank you. Um, But I see hand-to-face gestures. So I say no while shaking my head yes. That's contradictory. Um, But be aware of cultural differences there as well. But uh, hand-to-face, blocking, concealment, masking behavior. So look for contradiction between what a person and saying and what they're doing and finally uh, uh, response latency a lot of pregnant pauses where they're they're basically floundering and they uh, if somebody's fabricating they don't want pregnant pauses so what you'll find they'll they'll uh, uh, 
include unnecessary or superfluous fillers such as um uh well yeah uh pretty much like the case you mentioned earlier they're grasping for the ant- for, they're looking yeah for and the other thing at. too is um you know often i'll look for uh, defensive behaviors uh see at the moment you're mirroring my behavior you don't even know you're doing it so what happens <laughs> is typically when we're in an environment where we feel relaxed with somebody we'll emulate their behavior pretty much like what you're doing if say for example uh you don't trust me or don't like me or that you'll engage in defensive behaviors could be you know creating distance non-frontal alignment blocking gestures legs crossed arm crossed and so on okay now we've sat here for 23 minutes or so i'd like to say i've enjoyed the interview but i don't want to have you call me a liar? Is there anything you've detected in me? Besides, you just said I'm mirroring you. Have you, you been are. paying attention the whole time? Yeah. What that, have I done? Well, it, it, probably around about sixty percent into this interview, you've emulated my behaviours, which tells you're me you're a striking you, man. I just want to be more like you. <laughs> which tells me you don't feel threatened by me. Which is a oh, good thing. see, that's good. Okay. <laughs> uh, secondly, very animated when you talk. Your hands fly everywhere. At one stage, I thought you were going to take off. Uh, and now, what does that mean? Well, that, that's how you are. You're animated. However, okay. why that's important to me is later on, if I'm interviewing you, mm-hmm. I'll look for deviations from uh, your baseline. So if, I, if you start asking me about something very yeah, and important... And you go into a lockdown, mm-hmm. and maybe sitting on your hands or something like that, uh, I know you're animated. And often when somebody is talking and they're using their hands to talk, mm-hmm. if that what they're saying they know is uh, incorrect or not true, usually you'll find they'll go into lockdown. So there'll be less uh, animation. So that's a deviation from what you would normally do. I'm totally going to go into lockdown right now. <laughs> <laughs> now you know why I don't have any friends, I can tell you. <laughs> no friends, an ex. Do you have a dog? Uh, no, I don't have a dog, but I... I it, it, my job does come with advantages because I'm very good at reading people. So uh, typically, if a female is interested in a, a guy, mm-hmm. she will bombard him with behavioural uh, cues of that interest. So there'll be a lot of preening and grooming gestures. So all my friends, all my mates back home love going out with me because I can tell when uh, girls are interested. Where were you back in the day? I had, <laughs> I had no radar whatsoever. God, that would have been so helpful. In but fact, the, men don't. You're, you're men... a good wingman, but you can't do it for yourself. I am. The, oh, well, no, no, no. I, look, I have no problems meeting people. That's <laughs> <laughs> That's the easy part. I have problems hey maintaining the relationship because I'm never home. This, well, and if I was a woman, I'd be <laughs> terrified to even come home and uh, that second date would be a real, oh, he's a lie detector, son of a bitch. So do you think I'm the best kisser? Yeah. 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 <laughs> uh, he, that's a hypothetical question. He wasn't really asking me, the host. All right, Stephen, the human lie detector. It's been great chatting with you. Thank you so much for being on the show. My pleasure. Thanks, Dave. That's going to do it for this week, everybody. I really want to thank Steve Van Apperen for joining me today. You can follow him on Twitter, at Steve Polygraph, and check out his website, stevevanapperen.com, for more info. Thanks for listening, everybody. I'll see you right back here next week on The Gamut. <laughs>